is up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Dense Pixels Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brad, joined by my co-host, Carrie. What's up? Just the two of us this week. Micah is off as it happens. Micah's just trying to dodge me because he knows I'm going to rip him a new one for not actually unlocking the extra content in Persona 5 Royal. That's still very funny to me. I still find it somewhat inexplicable that a major chapter of the story can be missed like like, like that an additional that 25 to, yeah. to 30 hours worth of content yeah that the game and it's not like the happen. game doesn't tell you over and over and over again that you have to go talk to this guy well they they do but do they tell you why it's important no i mean i i don't know i feel like it's it's fairly obvious it's like okay cool i'm playing this game that i know has a third semester and there's two new characters and the game keeps telling me to talk to one of them maybe (laughs) i should go talk to him nope didn't do it missed out on the content that's it's that's 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 very amazing to me though (laughs) that 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 happened um you finished monster hunter stories did you not since we last i finished the main story of monster hunter stories too and uh yeah i thought that game was absolutely delightful mm-hmm. um i feel like you can get into it even if you're not like a huge fan of the mainline monster hunter games because it doesn't play anything like the mainline monster hunter games um so i'm i'm in post game now which has all the high rank content and a bunch of extra monsters that you haven't seen yet there's like a dozen more monsters that unlock after you beat the main story um they've also done the first bit of uh dlc so they've added three new monsters including the uh one of my favorite elder dragons which is Kulv taroth who is otherwise only available as sort of like a siege battle in mm-hmm. monster hunter world uh so it it i imagine plays a little bit like that i haven't tried the um the kt challenge yet but that's meant to be like a co-op thing so yeah. if anyone wants to do kt with me in stories let me know because my husband's playing the game on pc and i am playing on switch so we cannot actually co-op together (laughs) seems like a huge oversight on his part yeah because he has a switch this being said uh it looks a lot better on steam than it does on switch i would i would imagine so yeah um i'm continuing to buy games that i'm interested (laughs) in uh when they go on deep discounts okay uh darkest dungeon is one of those games it was like eight dollars for the ancestral edition or whatever it was called on on playstation uh so i finally got this this had been recommended to me for a while it's advertised as a roguelike but it's more of a dungeon delving game i would say um but it's interesting because there's some nifty mechanics that go along with it the basic premise is you play the like the prodigal son that returns home after your father dies and you like your family owns this manor that's like curse. There's like some very it's like a gothic horror themed game with some very Lovecraftian uh, overtones over. Yeah, top of so it. my my husband's played a good bit of it. So yeah. like I've I've seen a bit of it. And it's one of these games where I'm like, that's not for me. <laughs> it's not, not a scary game, though. It's just weird. Like, like no, it's just yeah. a weird looking game. Um, but yeah, bas- basically you play it's it's a tactical turn-based RPG of sorts. You always go into these dungeons with a party of four. Um, There's, I think, like 10 or 11 different classes of characters that you can recruit in the game that all come with different abilities and things of that nature. But what's interesting is that how you have your characters lined up 
matters because like you walk along the dungeon in a straight line essentially on a 2d plane and when you encounter enemies they are lined up in the same fashion but each character has certain abilities that they can only use if they're in certain positions in your party's lineup and they can only target certain enemies on the other side of the row which then adds a layer of complication because when enemies die like their corpses stay behind so if you want to clear them out so that you can move them up so you can attack them a little bit easier. You have to actually like attack the dead body essentially to get it out of the way. Um, and then because it's a Lovecraft themed game of sorts, uh, as you explore the dungeon, uh, you have to worry about like the light levels in the dungeon. So the more you explore, the darker it gets, hence the name, the darker it gets, the stronger the enemies become. Whereas if you can keep the lights on, your heroes have special abilities and you do this by exhausting torches that you can bring into the dungeon with you. Um, it's all about managing their sanity. It really, it really is. Cause as you go, as enemies attack you and as you encounter things, in the dungeon, your characters will gain madness. And if they gain a certain level, then they will get a condition of some kind that will impair them. Um, and then they can really get fucked up if you let them happen again. But then when you turn back to town, like you could chill them out by sending them to the bar to get wasted or to the brothel <laughs> to get laid or to the church to pray. Like, like there's all sorts of things you can do to kind of ease their, stress levels down what's what's interesting about the game so before you venture out into the dungeon every time you go to like the you know the haberdashery that's in town and stock up on supplies that you need to take with you like medicine or potions or torches or things of that nature what's cool though is that the game really only encourages you to take what you're going to use because at the end of each quest everything gets sold back to the merchant and, and for the stuff that you buy from them, it gets sold back at like a 20% discount. It's like you're trading a game into GameStop, basically. Like you're getting 20% <laughs> of what you paid for it. So okay. you're not like if you buy too much, like if you overstock yourself and you buy a bunch of shit that you don't need, you're just kind of throwing money down the drain. So there's a lot of optimization in the game. Um, It's very fun. I was scared off by the game for a while because I heard it was like insanely difficult. Um, I think this is one of those games where you have to just acknowledge the fact that you're going to lose party members, kind of like XCOM. Like it's it's kind of like a gothic XCOM in some ways. Like you get you don't want to get very attached to anyone in your party. Um, I I assume that once you level somebody up to an incredibly high level and then they get killed, like that'll be super devastating when you lose like one of your one of your awesome guys, which I haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, but the game is fun. It also has cross, uh, cross save functionality. So if I ever do get it on switch, cause this would be a great game to play on switch, then I should be able to transfer my data over. So, um, it's good. Like I said, if you've, uh, if you've seen this game, if you're interested in it, uh, it's like eight bucks, great price for $8 on the PS4. Sure. Um, can't beat that. And, uh, it's, it's a nifty game. I also bought Wargroove. I haven't played a ton of Wargroove yet. Um, but it's I hear Wargroove is super fun. It is, um, is it is advanced wars, essentially. Yeah, I, like, that's basically uh, it, what I, I mean, it essentially hear. is. Like like the new they the Nintendo showed the new Advanced War trailer that's coming out this fall. I'm actually kind of interested in getting it, but I kind of wanted to play that now. So it's like, ah, oh, Wargroove's ten dollars. Let's just buy Wargroove. It's yeah. it's fine. Like I said, I Yeah, everything I, I heard was that Wargroove was sort of meant to be a spiritual successor to Advanced Wars because they hadn't put out a new Advanced Wars game in like ten years. And yeah. then Nintendo was like, all right, fuck, fuck faces. Here's some new Advance Wars. <laughs> it's the old Advance Wars. It just looks better. Um, so. New games coming out this week. Uh, I Am Dead, PlayStation, Xbox, uh, Black Book to PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. Button City 
to PlayStation 5, Xbox, Switch, and PC. Uh, Godfall's coming to PS4 and getting an expansion this week, apparently. Um, we've now I jumped, forgot about that game. Uh, so did the rest of society. Um, <laughs> Lawn Mowing Simulators coming to Xbox and PC. Uh, Glinch Punk comes to PC. Icarus to PC. Seed of Life PC. Art of Rally, uh, Xbox, and Switch. I'm dying to know if that's like a Neo Geo off-road racing game of some <laughs> okay. kind. Uh, Foreclosed comes to PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, Stadia, and PC. This is like a first-person or third-person narrative uh, cyberpunk adventure. Looks nifty. Uh, Naraka Blade Point comes to PC. Hades comes to every console that it's not currently released <laughs> yeah. on, basically. And then Paw Patrol, the movie adventure City Calls, comes to PlayStation and Xbox and Switch. <laughs> Cool. Uh, yeah. You can discuss these games and anything else you want to talk about. Especially as as Paw Patrol, video- right? Look, if you want to come talk about Paw Patrol with us, you better come to our Discord because <laughs> it is live not just for uh, Dense Pixels, but for the other uh, TNP shows of notes. So you head to densepixels.com slash fans to get the link to the Discord. Um, you can also, if you're listening to this, you can also watch us and see the beautiful shining faces of me and brad uh on uh the youtube channel youtube.com slash dense pixels where we post video versions of every episode and sometimes we post gaming clips but not often but you can at least (laughs) (laughs) find us there uh and don't forget to subscribe to all of the tnp studios podcasts wherever you get your podcasts so that includes uh, the Nerdpocalypse podcast, Black on Black Cinema, Coming Distractions, which I think had two new episodes mm-hmm. of Coming Distractions at the feed this week, as well as the weekly preview episode of Look Forward. And then for just $5 a month or $50 a year, you can get premium content uh, at densepixels.com slash premium. So that gives you access to all the premium podcasts, like the airing of grievances, which I assume will eventually reach its conclusion. Mm-hmm. No Time to Bleed, The Men with the Golden Tongues, uh, my podcast, Upstage Conversation, which I have meant to record a new episode for for the last two months, and Jay keeps dodging me. <laughs> so I'm going to have to find someone else to record Upstage Conversation with because uh, he's not answering my calls anymore. <laughs> uh, you also get full episodes of the Look Forward Political Podcast. So uh, do that. Jay, that Jay, Jay's listening to this on. podcast again, apparently. He he wasn't for a little while, so like I said, I can't wait to hear comments to him from him, because we're, uh-huh. we dog him constantly on the show, of course. So Yeah, because he's always dodging me. <laughs> so, I, I find it useful when you have like, news that comes into the sphere that's just like, really irritating. Uh, sometimes it's best just to pull the bandaid off and just to kind of get it over with and just get it out there. Mm-hmm. So, Carrie, you have the floor. Uh, Idris Elba is apparently playing Knuckles in Sonic <laughs> 2. And, uh, and, and we can talk about that. We can talk about it. This was announced like an hour ago from us recording. Uh, yeah, Idris Elba is the voice of Knuckles in the Sonic movie sequel. Um, and uh, the internet imploded upon itself very quickly when this news was announced so uh i think that's an interesting choice for knuckles um i i don't even know what else to say like i'm looking forward to it knuckles is my favorite sonic character and i'm i'm looking forward to seeing how idris elba's voice sounds going out of his mouth um but at the same time i'm i'm almost a little disappointed that they haven't um haven't opted to go with 
the folks who have voiced the character in the video games for as long as they have. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't sell movie tickets. I know it doesn't, <laughs> but it's it's I don't know because they they use the voice of Tails from the video games for the Tails cameo at the end of uh, of the first movie. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, maybe they'll like. Maybe they'll use Travis Willingham or Dave Mitchell uh, or any of these other guys who have like done the character before in the video games. Um, or Willingham even did like all the cartoons that came out recently too. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I understand wanting star power, but I, I feel like on on a level it is inherently disrespectful to people who are voice actors by trade to be replaced with Hollywood actors for. So what you're telling me is that this is your Kiefer Sutherland is solid snake moment. Basically. A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I'll say that. Sure. Like crazy. I feel like Travis Willingham probably would not have cost nearly as much as Idris Elba to voice this character. I can't imagine Idris Elba is like crazy expensive for like three days worth of work. Is he? It can't be that bad. Who knows? Because I I know if if I recall correctly, they also did like motion tracking oh, on really? the faces while in the studio to match animation to and stuff like that, and to get sort of a better feel on the personalities of the actors. So I don't really know how much work goes into this. I I genuinely don't. I have to imagine it's more than just three days in a voice studio. <laughs> There is uh so that that was a fun bit of news to to st- step in front of the news that we uh, actually far more important uh, in the yeah. gaming sphere this week more more Activision stuff as again like I mentioned last week this story is not going to not going to stop um, apparently shareholders still pissed apparent uh, according to uh, a letter that was released from. Uh, an investment group called SOC. Uh, they're saying that what Activision and Blizzard is pledging on doing to improve its culture does not, quote, go nearly far enough to address the deep and widespread issues with equity, inclusion, and human capital management uh, going on inside the company. Uh, and as if that wasn't bad enough, uh, Coca-Cola and Kellogg's also pulled out their sponsorship deals, much like T-Mobile did last week, yep. from the Overwatch League. Yeah, this is going to be like, this is the kind of thing that will force change at a company like this. Much quicker than employees protesting, which is yeah, a sad, sad indictment yeah. of, 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 the, of our society, but is also the reality of the situation. Yeah. Um, and then again, as, as, if, as if their very bad week did not need to get any worse, uh, on Friday last week... Schreier's here. He's here. We told you he was coming. <laughs> um, the, the headline for this story really is the best summation of probably why this happened better than anyone ever could. And and the headline for the story that Jason Schreier wrote is Blizzard turned game developers into rock stars, misbehavior followed. I mean, that's it, right? Like, like when you give people this, these like cult of personality statuses, like, like mm-hmm. when you're fawning over them and, and kind of worshiping at their altar as many Blizzard fans did for a very long time and still kind of do some of them do yeah to this day um you you kind of and i'm i'm not blaming the fans for this also by the way but this is just kind of the this is just kind of what goes part and parcel that when you give people that aura of untouchability 
like this is the kind of shit that happens, right? Because then you start getting bold because you don't because you, you think you're bulletproof. Right. In a lot of regards. Um, a lot of the anecdotes. So like Schreier obviously reached out to a lot of folks or they reached out to him and got a ton of uh ton of quotes around the story. Uh the one that made the the most rounds probably was when uh, Ben Kilgore, who was the chief technology o- officer and was considered like the heir apparent to Mike Morheim while he was still there, uh, left the company and basically staff was like, why did this guy leave the company? And the technology department head that took over for him in a briefing to his employees was basically like, let me give you some advice. Don't sleep with your assistant. But if you're going to sleep with your assistant, don't stop. Yeah. Like that's 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 pretty incredible. Um, There's anecdotes in here about a former employee who says that she was groped uh, multiple times at company events. Uh, An anecdote that female employees were well aware to stay away from the uh, hotel bar in the Hilton Anaheim, a bar that I've drank at several times, funnily enough, uh, because Hmm. that's where it's known that all of the uh, Blizzard executives were going to be hanging out and and basically uh, inviting people, groupies, as it were, like upstairs to their room and things of that nature. This is really fucking gross. Um and again, like you see this kind of stuff come out, it really makes it galling that Activision's initial response to that lawsuit being dropped was just like, that ah, is bullshit. This is right. government overreach. Like this is crazy. Like you like you have to know like the the dirty laundry is coming. Like like these these cases don't get brought up and made up out of whole cloth. Like there's always something backing them. And once, especially once you give the press, once you point them in the right direction, like once you give them that scent, they're going to dig this shit up. Like, especially a dude like Jason Schreier, who we talked about many times, the only real journalist uh, in the video game industry. Yeah. One of very few. Um, I mean, and he's the best at it, right? Like he is absolutely the, the best at, at doing this stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, just (sighs) that, that this, this was, you know, the, even, even the little things of like women, you know, on their first day of the job being, uh, having to deal with like receiving lines of men all lining up and and stuff like this, you know, going back to like 2003, Mm -hmm. like this, this is not something that started, when this investigation began this is stuff that built up over the course of largely the last 20 years at this company Mm -hmm. um this is not i mean it it almost goes to show that this is really a a blizzard problem more so than it is an activision problem yeah activision has done terribly in how they've handled this lawsuit um but the culture is is a blizzard problem bar none well, and, um, and like you said, uh, they did definitely try to kind of squirrel everybody today. Uh, they announced that the Diablo 2 uh, closed and open beta is going to be this weekend and next mm-hmm. weekend, respectively. But I don't see that taking a lot of shine off of off of the constant alley, the stories and stuff like that that have been churning from no. this. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> No, it, it didn't surprise me that they were like, oh, like 
two two weeks have gone by and it's been a few days since Schreier dropped his story. Here's a here's a shiny thing. You want to, you like you remember Diablo two? You love Diablo two. You want to play Diablo two again? Like I mean I mean I mean I do. I do. Right. But. Like there's a part of me yeah. that certainly does, yeah. but I'm not going to. <laughs> I have many fond memories yeah. of Diablo two. Not playing that game. No, Fix it's and, and, even, and even just like you know Blizzard even had like the run of the mill female employee problems like a female you know gen- a gender wage gap essentially that exists right. within the company and thing like like they're not even separate and apart from from those things and and then you have all this other stuff on top of it yeah so the the stories on bloomberg um it is quite a read highly recommend you do it it really does kind of set some of those allegations in very blunt forms even more blunt than what we've seen so far um so i think it's important to to kind of hear those stories and to see them out there um but yeah like i said it's the 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 news mill continues turning with this i don't think it's going to stop and as we've also been saying for the last couple weeks um everybody else who has this shit going on in their companies it is time to get your house in order uh and fast because this this past week uh turns out steve gainer uh, the head of Fulbright Studios, the co-founder of Fulbright Studios, has decided to step down in his role as the creative lead uh, from the studio uh, following multiple allegations of mistreating Fulbright employees, particularly women. Now, mm-hmm. fortunately, if, if there is a silver lining to this story, there doesn't appear to be any allegations of like sexual misconduct. No, which this is, guy's which just is an asshole. Like he's just a shit boss. He's just an <laughs> asshole yeah. and a terrible person to work for. So uh, Steve Gaynor, the co-founder of Fulbright, uh, known for the games Gone Home and Tacoma. Um, yeah, so Gaynor uh, stepped down basically after his entire staff was like, hey, c- can you fuck off? Like <laughs> that. Uh, yeah. Um Apparently, uh, women, and this is a story out of Polygon um, that that reported this, and did a good job. Um, they talked to like a dozen uh, female employees, current current and former, I think, and so women mm-hmm. in leadership positions at Fulbright told Polygon that they experienced constant micromanagement that made it difficult for them to do their jobs, having to get even the smallest details approved by Gaynor. This was compounded, they said, by his tendency to disparage and discredit the contributions of female staffers in particular, often directly to other members of leadership. Some of the female staffers said that they often worried about how he characterized them to other employees, uh, with one employee saying, this is going to sound like a joke, but I'm completely serious. Working for him often felt like working for a high school mean girl. His go-to weapon was to laugh at people's opinions and embarrass them in front of other people, uh, with several other employees corroborating this characterization. Um, the problem at Fulbright is that this is a little indie studio. Mm-hmm. This is like less than two dozen people. Yeah. So the issue is that the employees there really had no means of escalating their concerns about his behavior because yeah. the company didn't have a dedicated HR. It was, yeah, it was basically deal with it or go somewhere else. Like that was, kinda, yeah. that was kind of the way it was. Um, this tells me, so like, I'm glad that it ended up kind of this way. Cause, and, and it's funny cause it just goes to show you, like you don't, you never do know sometimes because like gainers, a guy that I hear talked about like in the games media part of the industry glowingly like like there's sure. a lot of people that 
are very fond of him. Um, so you never quite know who somebody is behind behind closed doors sometimes. This just tells me that more people out there need to do a better job about being honest with themselves and what they're good at and bringing in people to manage the things that they're not good at. Because, look, there's some people that in this world that just are not cut out to lead people. That's just the way it is. Steve Gaynor, from this story, seems like he's someone that should not have been in a leadership role at the company. Like, creatively, yeah. fantastic. Like, you want to be a creative guy. You want to you write. You want to pitch ideas. That's great. Being the decision maker, being the guy who, you know, you come to to roll things up to, doesn't seem like a role that suits him very well. No. Uh, if, he's, if, if this is how he treats people. Um, so, again, I was relieved that this wasn't anything to do with any sexual allegations um but but like also fuck that guy yeah i mean like, it's it's <laughs> it, it well it sucks for <sighs> being an asshole is like a shitty quality about somebody i'm not gonna like ostracize someone from the industry for being a dick you know what i mean like no, some and people it's like just, i, I hope this dicks. is a wake-up call for yeah. him and i'm glad he's not in that position anymore but it kind of sucks that everyone had to go to basically annapurna interactive who um publishes fulbright's games mm -hmm. and say shit like this is the worst professional experience i've ever had in my life for them to kind of be like hmm maybe something's wrong at fulbright <laughs> <laughs> like, no I, I i agree with that but yeah like i said i i i hope that I do hope he's not given the level of scorn that should be reserved for like the dudes at Blizzard, for example, um, because it's not quite the same situation. But again, maybe just don't be the head of a studio if you can't deal with people. Yeah, you know, I mean, treating I, people well. I I hope I hope he teaches. Teach, uh, this is a teachable moment for him. Um, and uh, I mean, he put he put out a statement alleging as such. Well, I mean, obviously, we'll see. Like, you know, everyone puts out that statement. We'll see. if it Right. Everyone has a PR rep write something for them. Um, I mean, I think I think the sort of last thing in this in this article that Polygon put out says a lot where it's it's just like one former employee saying it turns my stomach to think that he still gets to write these games about women's stories when this is how he treats them in real life with presumably no sign of stopping. I want women in the industry and this studio to feel valued. I want vulnerable young women who are new to the industry to be supported, not preyed upon. I want women to not have to fear retaliation from a powerful auteur figure for speaking up. I want women to know that this is not normal. More than anything, I just want him to stop. He shouldn't be allowed to keep getting away with this. Yeah. So hopefully him stepping down from this leadership position is the first step of many of him reconciling with his record of bad behavior. Uh, and hopefully he gets better. Hopefully he makes amends with the people who he so clearly hurt over the years. Uh, but also at the same time, if I'm being perfectly honest, it wouldn't fucking surprise me if it, in another year it comes out that he's just right back to his bullshit. Sure. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me either. But then at, at that point, I would hope that the publisher would would, you know, pull the plug, take a stance yeah. at that point. But we'll we'll see what happens, hopefully without shuttering the company either, because, again, they put out, you know, Gone Home and Tacoma are not games that I've played, but they're very critically adored and people seem to like them a lot. So mm -hmm. they're doing good work. Just don't be a dick. Um I did not realize that uh, – well, actually, I should have realized this because YouTube kind of does the same thing. So this, the story here, Twitch is finally going to let streamers know why they're getting banned. Yeah. 
which I is, didn't know which that is they a, didn't do that. Yeah, that it, well, YouTube is the same way though. Honestly, like a lot of times when I've heard it from big, even like large YouTubers, like they'll get videos pulled down, and they'll be like, "Why, you know, why did this get pulled down?" And they won't be given like a straight answer, like, "Oh, be, oh, you violated, you know, this code of conduct thing or this that or the other thing," but they don't really go into specifics and in YouTube's case, and I'd imagine this is probably similar on Twitch. A lot of it's stuff that just gets caught in the algorithm incorrectly. You know what I mean? Right. Like th things of that nature, because these are big giant companies. They don't have the bandwidth to personally get actual eyes on every single instance. Like you have an algorithm to kind of skim the content to catch stuff up in a wide net. And then you parse through those individual things, you know, on a case by case basis, essentially. So it's how it's supposed to work. Um, but I guess now Twitch is going to dig in a little bit more, which, you know, a lot of Twitch streamers have bitched about getting, you know, their channel taken down for no reason at all. Right. So where it's like they'll, they'll ban someone, then unban them, and then reban them and whatnot. So it's like, hopefully, this helps people who stream on a regular basis understand what went wrong. <laughs> if anything does go wrong. I just feel like this should be basic, right? It's like if you're going to ban someone's account, like, please at least give a reason. Like, yeah. <laughs> baseline. Uh, so. Well, and, and even then, like, they're still not going super crazy. Like, it's it's still very generic. Like, they at least tell you, like, here's the video. Here's the date that it was produced. And then here's this very vague you know, reason that this is happening. So there's still, I feel like there's still going to be a lot of room for ambiguity in the process. Um, I also like that. I went to the tweet that Twitch support put out and like the first tweet, the first reply that's underneath of it is why did Dr. Disrespect get banned? Like we know why Dr. Disrespect got banned. <laughs> like he literally violated the terms of service by breaking the law. Yes. <laughs> during he took a camera period. into a bathroom, yeah. which is against the law. <laughs> That's that's a level above like it doesn't matter if any terms and conditions were broken or not. If you're like doing something explicitly illegal, which I'm sure is covered under the terms and conditions regardless, you're going to get banned from the platform. Very much so. Wild. Uh, Nintendo has an indie presentation tomorrow as we're recording this. Microsoft had one today. I haven't gotten to watch it yet. Um, I wonder, though. If Nintendo's going to talk about this next story, because Carrie was like, like if I'd shown, like you put the story on the docket, I wish that I had gotten to, and I wish you didn't know about it because <laughs> I would have titled it exactly the same thing that you did, <laughs> and that yeah. would have been a hilarious potential reaction to you opening the story live on air. No, I like I, I know what's going. Yeah, on. the 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 title is a classic Camelot RPG is being revived. Mm -hmm. To which I say, no, not that one. No, not that one. Not <laughs> the, that the, one. The other no. one. <laughs> they're doing a Shining Force game, sort of. Kind of. <laughs> um, and they're doing a mobile Shining Force game. Uh, it's called Shining Force Heroes of Light and Darkness, a new free-to-play entry in uh, the currently Sega-owned RPG game. Uh, if you didn't know, Camelot developed Shining Force, as well as Shining in the Darkness. Uh, they've actually got a pretty, pretty deep... RPG history, um, but yep, it's uh, it's a mobile game, so people are pretty eh about. It. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. Like, if it's anywhere decent to like the Fire Emblem mobile game, which apparently is all right for a mobile yeah. game, 
I guess we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, Shining, Shining Force. A lot of folks. Uh, I didn't know there was a big clamor for another Shining Force game. I don't think there was. Yeah, I was about to say, I guess there. I guess there's as many as there would be for like a Golden Sun re-release of, well, of some sort. I mean, it's it's interesting because they've rather consistently put out other games in the Shining franchise, such as Shining Arc, uh, Shining Wind, Shining Force Exa. Like, there's a there's there's a lot. There's been a lot. Uh, most of these have not been. Uh, in the developed US. by Camelot, but yeah, cool. Yep. But yeah, that's that's the news this week. Like I said, it was mostly Activision centric. So, yep, pretty pretty light news week. Yeah. So we'll take it. Uh, cool. Well, if you want to buy one of the two dozen shining games that you didn't hear of until just now, you can do that by going to densepixels.com/slash/amazon and. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully, send Jeff Bezos to space permanently this yeah. time. Let's finger, um, fingers crossed. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> that's really what we're that's really what we all should be striving to do at this point is to get Jeff Bezos in space forever. Yeah, just leave him, leave him out there. Yes, uh, but yeah, you shop as normal at densepixels.com slash Amazon, and we get just they skim they skim a, just a teeny little bit off the top for us. But it's but it's so important for us. It's so helpful. It is for for the, for the dense pixels crew and for the for the TNP Studios crew more so. So yeah, make sure you're using our link whenever you shop on Amazon because we know you are. So just, we know you like just bookmark. we know you might like feel bad about shopping on Amazon, but like you're probably still shopping on Amazon. Yeah, and this this way you can feel like four percent less bad. Yeah, like, like like it's quantifiable how much less bad you can feel about it. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly four percent less bad yeah. for shopping on Amazon because you know it's helping us. Absolutely. So, post office, uh, we'll start with Carl. What video game sound, and I guess really he means sound effect, sound uh, effect. has stuck with you over the years? Uh, his personal favorite is the Nemesis call from Resident Evil 3. Uh, the stars, you know, as he's chasing you around. Uh, the honorable mentions that he mentioned are probably honestly like the two best ones, really. Yeah. Like the Metal Gear Solid exclamation point when you're spotted and the Sega uh, splash at the beginning Sega. of every Sega game. Yeah. Yeah. It really is like the Metal Gear one. Like that that like that like you know it's a good video game sound effect when it was like your like your text tone or like your ringtone. Oh yeah. Or something. But also and, like yeah. where it's something, you know, at least for Metal Gear Solid, the the exclamation point. Like it's it's a noise that's less than a second long mm -hmm. and it immediately triggers panic. Yes. <laughs> <the time>. <laughs> <laughs> and just and just like I said, hyper iconic, like I, I can't tell you when I did use it for like my my text message ringtone, like how many people, you know, acknowledged it essentially around me just in public in general. Like, so yeah. that's, uh, you know, back, back when I didn't just have my phone on silent all the time, because who the hell doesn't have their phone on silent? And you're a monster. If you <laughs> yeah, I haven't had like a ringtone on in probably eight years at this point, if not longer. Uh, I think for me, it's like Kefka's laugh. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a that's an all timer. Um, and the the original Pikachu noise. Yeah. From like the first generation. I don't like that they've changed it to like the actual to Ikue Otani, um, like the anime Pikachu noise mm -hmm. where it, it actually says Pikachu now. I want like the 
the electric... like the like the super digital one from the yeah, 8-bit, I like the, the, the digital cartridge. noise yeah. of Pikachu. Yeah. A couple more for me. The original PlayStation uh, boot up sound. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yes. like, like that's on it. It's, it's the best. It's still the best one of all of them. And the GameCube one. The GameCube one's up there. See, I, those. It's long, those, I, but I those, like it. I know. The, the, I think. I feel like those two venture more into like music more than sound effects, but the PlayStation one still sounds more sound effecty. Like the GameCube one is a legitimate melody. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Whereas the PlayStation 1 is just like like a like a Hans Zimmer-esque like <laughs> like, like 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 you know what's about to be happening. Um weirdly like my favorite Mario sound is the sound like that makes when you like mount Yoshi's saddle essentially. Like the wit win yep. like like yeah. that metal yeah. thing like that's <laughs> that's that one I'm always uh I'm always partial to. Um yeah, I'm trying to think of any of any other there's something about collecting rings in yeah. sonic that's like like the sonic ring noise is is always the, the collection noise or, or when you get hit and they spill out all over the place the collection noise yeah. <laughs> there's nothing satisfying about losing all your rings <laughs> so yeah a lot it's, and, and not surprisingly most of these come from like the 32-bit era and earlier right that's kind of just how <laughs> that's kind of how things go um uh, Rev asks, what's a racing franchise that scares you because of its hyper realism, but you can't say Gran Turismo or Forza? Here's the funny thing. So in turn, so Mario I, Kart, Mario Kart. <laughs> Here, here's the funny thing about this question. So in learning more about sim racing and the crash course that I've taken in the subject over the last month or so, uh, Gran Turismo and Forza are actually on the more accessible end of simulation racing games. Like, like the, like the pool is is very deep, much deeper than than people that aren't in the genre realize. Um, the answer to this question, what's the scariest hyper-realistic like, racing game, is iRacing. iRacing, without a doubt, is the most frightening thing if, if you're not like into sim racing, because that is about as simulation as you can fucking get in a racing game. Like, it is so simmy, it's not even funny. It's And it's such a... The, the game is so like robust in terms of what it provides that you literally have to pay. It's like an MMO. Like you have to pay monthly in order to play it. Okay. Like you have to buy a subscription. That's a lot. To, yeah. You have to buy a subscription to iRacing to play iRacing and you still have to buy like cars and tracks separate and apart from that. That's a lot. It is a lot. I don't, but, I don't play sim racing games, man. I play yeah. Mario Kart. <laughs> I play uh Mario Kart. Uh, that's about it. Crash team racing. Uh, hmm. Jet Moto is the only other racing game that I could even summon to my brain right now that mm. I have played and enjoyed. Yeah. What was the last time they made a Jet Moto game? It's been a long time since they made a Jet Moto. It's been a long time since they made a even semi mainstream. 1999 was the last time. Yeah, they made it's, a Jet it's, Moto. it's been it's been like a while since they made a quasi mainstream like wave racing game in general. Give me a high def. Jet Moto remake, Sega, yeah, whoever, Sony, yeah, that's what I want. I want a new Jet Moto game. I know that wasn't the question, but I've decided that's how I'm going to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I said, check out iRacing. Uh, check out uh, what's the uh, uh, Automotilista Two 
is uh, is another one that's on, apparently like all the best sim games are on PC. Like that's where all the all the sim nerds play their racing <laughs> games on PC. Not surprising. All the best games are on PC. That's apparently that's that's that's, Glad that's you're what the world finally is. So. <laughs> Uh, Cam asked the dumber current wrestling conspiracy theory that Vince McMahon secretly owns AEW or that WWE release release Bray Wyatt, but not the fiend. So the fiend could still show up at SummerSlam. Those are two theories that are apparently out there in the wild. Um, I have no context for either. of these. That's that's fine. Uh, Vince, Vince McMahon owning AEW secretly is obviously the dumber of the two theories, <laughs> considering who matter who owns AEW is like a matter of public record. Like, it's not like there's dark money behind AEW like their financials are somewhat available like it's like it's like it's definitely we know it's Tony Khan it's not it's not hard to figure this out um the funny thing about Bray Wyatt is that so they they released him a couple weeks ago he might be back soon because they did the same thing with like Samoa Joe like like WWE is in a cost-cutting mode right now and I think that they dumped a few contracts that were just weighing on them heavily and they could bring back Bray Wyatt for a lower ticket, which might still be more like considerably more than he would get from any other company that's out there right now. So that that's always a possibility. Um, but we'll see. They're they're both incredibly stupid conspiracy theories, though, I would say. Yeah. Um, Mark asks, what do you think is the most accessible game in terms of for people with disabilities? What kinds of things do you think would make a game truly accessible to at least one part of an audience? I keep thinking like a game for blind people where nothing is visual and use the rubble feature plus surround sound, but that might be dumb because then I guess it's not a video game. I don't think it's dumb. Um, I think it's tough. I mean, I, I think at large, I can't point to like a single game to you. I genuinely can't. I know Last of Us and Last of Us 2, I think more specifically, um, had a lot of accessibility options. I think there are a lot of games coming out now that have good accessibility options like colorblind mode and different types mm. of colorblind mode and stuff like that um, so that you can still play the game and enjoy the game and enjoy the story. Um, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I think any game, every game should allow you to remap the controls. Yes. I mean, th- that that's a big one. Um, Period. <laughs> we are seeing, we're seeing a lot of this more often nowadays because there's a lot more groups out there like easy allies and, and folks like that, that call attention to this stuff. And so it's front of mind for a lot more game developers. So, and you have to remember, like there, there is a lot of different disabilities that you can cater for. So like if someone's blind, for example, you can be legally blind and still see like, like legal blindness is just a threshold of vision that you like that's below a certain point. So like people that are legally blind can still play video games. They just need options that like, let the su- let the subtitles get you know blown up to like high degrees or things of that or have like a, a speak back mode of, of things of that nature like so you're seeing that in games a lot more um what Carrie said is bang on like you really every game or at least every game platform needs to allow control remapping so that like disability friendly controllers like the Microsoft um, accessibility controller that they came out with. Uh, can be used by people so that they can map the controls however they need to yeah. to play the game. Um, and again, it's something that you're seeing more and more. So like there is no real answer to what's the most accessible game because any game can be the most accessible game if it's coded with that in mind, essentially, yeah. or and, and even also developed with that in mind. Um, if you want to get more insight to this, I highly recommend um, following – Uh, like easy allies and listening to like podcasts and other content they put out because they are the 
kind of foremost authority on this, I would say, on kind of a wide basis, and they will be most insightful and will honestly give you like the most information about this kind of stuff because it's something that they're paying attention to constantly because they have a lot of folks that have disabilities that work for their platform that very much care about this stuff because they want to be able to play video games as well. Um, but apparently the industry is a lot further along than it was even five years ago. Yeah, uh, honestly, so. it, it does seem like it is. I, I think a key point in making games more accessible is is just having representation within the dev teams and, and making sure that um, people are working with the um, these different communities mm -hmm. to make sure that their games are accessible to as many people as possible. But yeah, baseline, just fucking like I am an able bodied person and I wear lenses on my face so that I can see. And that's the worst thing I have to deal with. Yeah. Right. But like, can, like I, I want all games to allow me to remap the controls because sometimes <laughs> I'll be playing a game and I will find the control scheme fucking annoying and it won't let me change it. <laughs> like, Let me map my controls. Cause it's not just going to help picky assholes like me, but it will help people at large be able to enjoy the game. Johnny asks, uh, did you know that Evo was this weekend? Uh, not until nope. he, Johnny had said something this weekend that I know that Evo's this weekend. And apparently, uh, Punk uh, rage quit in the grand finals, which is interesting. A little sad to see. Like I said, a little un unfortunate that he uh, struggled again for like the third year consecutive, basically. But a rage quit in the final round is not a great look. I would say he's still a young guy, though. He's still a young guy. Still got There's no excuse for that shit. Yeah, just kind of finish it out. I mean, I guess that's better. I, I I don't think he would have done that if it was in person. Like Evo was exclusively online this year. Yeah, I don't think he does that if if he's on stage. I really don't because um, it makes you look more. It makes petulant. you look like a tiny little baby. Yeah, it makes, what it makes you look like. So. Well, uh, I'll have to check out that video when we get a chance. He also asks uh, another wrestling question. How are you liking the struggle, Baron Corbin? Is this a rib on the 87 employees that they fired this year? Um, so Baron Corbin's new character. So he was King Corbin for a while because he won the King of the Ring tournament like two years ago. So he wore like a crown, carried around a scepter, like had this like regal music, all that jazz. Wow. So he lost his crown uh, in a match against Shinsuke Nakamura. So Shinsuke Nakamura is now the king of SmackDown, which is fine because his nickname, one of his nicknames is the king of strong style, like it always has been. So him having a crown is perfectly appropriate. Um, what, where they've gone with Baron Corbin is they made him like this sad sack <laughs> character now where like he's like he was bald for a while because he was seriously balding on his hair. So he's growing his hair back out, but it looks, of course, awful because he's a huge bald <laughs> patch on top of his head. He's wearing like a shit beard. He's wearing like the same set of clothes every week and there's like a tomato sauce stain on the front. But it, but it's funny because they're like making him a sad sack. He's like, oh, he's like, they repossessed my house and I've lost all my money and my wife left me with my kids. And like he's he's engendering sympathy from like the babyface characters. And they're and they're finally like, all right, I'll give you some money to get you help you get back on your feet. Like, how much do you need to 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 be able to you know get back on your feet for a week and then he'll be like oh hundred thousand dollars like he'll like he'll say something insane because he's because he's still playing like a dickhead character and then right. he gets his ass kicked i don't really know um where they're going with this character um i would hope that they wouldn't be insensitive enough to 
poke fun at the people that they just kind of escorted out the door over the last several months. But then again, it's Vince McMahon, and there's a lot of things that he thinks is funny uh, that aren't funny to the general public at large. So who could who could say? Who could say? Anything's possible uh, with, with Vince McMahon. Uh, we'll finish up with Gully, uh, who has a dictionary a dictionary definition that they start their question with. Uh, poop socking is a verb from the root poop sock. Uh, the practice of defecating into an article of clothing in lieu of That's leaving a task to use a traditional toilet, almost exclusively used in relation to video gaming. What was the last game you poop socked or played for an absurdly long time in a single sitting? And what is your all time poop sock record? No one should not go. No, to the don't do that. If you're if you've done this, yeah, I'm going to ban you from the Discord. Like. <laughs> This, this, if you this is, this is if the you kind, this shit is the into kind of, a sock instead of getting up to use the bathroom so that you can keep playing a video game, I am banning you from the Discord. Absolutely, this this is the kind of shit that gets people that gets kids killed in South Korea. Like like this is the kind of stuff that people are like sitting in front of a computer in an internet cafe for you know thirty seven hours in a row. Yeah, that 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 die right there basically at the internet cafe. Don't do that. Don't do that. Now that being said, um. Mass Effect was easily the game that I played for an absurdly long time in a single sitting. When I when I first got uh, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, I'm pretty sure I put in like 10 hours into Mass Effect 1 the first day that I played, that first Saturday. Yeah, so like are we calling a single sitting just like doing nothing else yes. besides eating and using the toilet? Yes. Or are we calling a single sitting not getting up at all? I'm calling it like still with food and toilet breaks. Okay, because in, we're in reasonable mix. adults, right? Yeah. yeah. Um I'm gonna say ugh, I've had a few games where I think I've done like nine or ten hour stretches all at once. Like yeah. I, I know I know I did it with Skyrim. Without a doubt, I did it with Skyrim. Um I mean, I've done it on stream. I did Golden Sun, the complete game in a single sitting in about 12 hours for Extra Life. More than once now I've done that. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes that's all you're going to do with your days, play video games. But like, also, like you should fucking go to the bathroom and wipe your ass like a reasonable adult, please. This is why it's a shame that Micah's not in this week. I don't think that Micah's ever poop socked, but I, I <laughs> would not be, I would not put it past Micah to have peed into a, an empty like bottle sitting down playing video games. Not like Micah in the past 10 years, but Micah <laughs> when he was single and living alone, I wouldn't be surprised if he did that at least one time. Yeah. He can confirm next week when, he, when he's back sure. on the show. So cool. we'll see. That's it. That's that's, that's the that's show this us. week. A light show this week. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you guys for submitting your questions, which you can do on the Dense Pixels Discord at densepixels.com slash fans. We take post office questions all week. We answer them here on the show as we do every single week, almost every single week. Uh, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube as well at youtube.com slash densepixels. And follow us all on Twitch. I'm densepixelsbrad. Terrence is Apparition410. And Carrie is Sup. It's Carrie. Anything yep. else to plug? Uh, a couple things, yeah. actually. So uh, first off, uh, on the topic of playing games for a long time, uh, I am doing Astro Life again this year. God, I have is, my page set up. soon, isn't it? Yeah, it's coming up November. So I'll be doing it November 7th, which is a Sunday. Um, so I'm going to be playing Fallout New Vegas. Um, and I've got all sorts of incentives. If you donate $25, you can tell me how to spend a special point. If you donate $50, you can force me to sing a Radio New Vegas song 
on stream. If you pick Johnny Guitar, I'm going to be very cross with you, but I will do it. I feel like you're asking people to pick this song. I really don't like Johnny Guitar. I think Johnny Guitar is universally considered the worst song on Radio New Vegas. Mm -hmm. There are so many better songs. Now, the question Woo-woo. is, are you, are you going to sing it along, like, to the tune in the game, or are you just going to sing yes. an acapella? Okay. Yes. With as as they come on the radio, I will I will sing them. Uh, certain, I got I got levels. If we if we hit two hundred and fifty, so my goal this year is a thousand. This is the highest goal that I've had. Um, so at at two hundred and fifty dollars, uh, I will sabotage the rockets and the come come fly with me mission and um, not send the ghouls into space at $500. You can see me take Boone to go kill Caesar since that's what he really, really wants to do. And I think we should make all of Boone's streams come true Uh, at $750. I'll pause the fallout stream sometime and we'll do some monster hunter nonsense at some point. (laughs) And then at a thousand dollars, I will make time to do all of the DLC for fallout new Vegas. So please do that. I'll, uh, I'll drop the link in Discord, I'm sure, several times. And then on top of that, because I don't have enough extracurriculars in my life, <laughs> I have a band. We're called Quicksave. It's the same group of dudes that did stuff for the digital BGSO concerts over the last year. We were like, hey, guess what? We sound really good. What if we kept doing this? So we're doing it. Um, yeah, you can find us at Facebook.com slash band, And uh, we actually have a gig lined up. End of next month, if you're in the Maryland area, you can come up to Westminster, Maryland for the inaugural Good Game Fest. We will be doing sets throughout the day on Saturday at Good Game Fest. And where is that in Westminster? That's at the mall. Oh, boy. Town Mall. Good old town mall. Yeah, the town mall, which has like six (laughs) stores left. So they're going to turn it into a big arcade, basically. Is one of those stores still GameStop? I think it is. I think it might be. We'll see. Uh, so yeah, come come out to Good Game Fest. That is September 24th through 26th. Single day tickets are just $20. And you can come see us play some cool video game music. There's going to be a ton of like gaming tournaments and arcade stuff set up and cosplay. And it should be a good time. Like I'm very interested to see how a video game convention inside a very, very dead but still operational mall is going to work. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it should be really cool. Awesome. Well, thank you guys out there very much for watching and listening, and we'll see you all the next time. See ya.